0: Right, let's get into the message this morning. Why don't you turn with me to Matthew chapter 8, verses 1-4, to 4, one of my most favourite stories of a miracle of Jesus. And it says this, it says, "'Large crowds followed Jesus "'when he came down the mountainside. "'Suddenly a man with leprosy approached him "'and knelt before him. "'Lord,' the man said, "'if you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. "'Jesus reached out and touched him. "'I am willing,' he said." Be healed! Sorry, just wake about eight of you up, but it has, a, it has an exclamation mark. So, so it's got to be be healed, not just be healed. It's be healed! And instantly, the leprosy disappeared. And Jesus said to him, Do not tell anybody about this. Instead, go to the priest and let him examine you. Take along the offering required in the law of Moses for those who have been healed of leprosy. This will be a public testimony That you have been cleansed. This man approaches him, he needs healing, and Jesus just says to him, Be healed! And he was healed. And all the miracles of Jesus, that if you look throughout scripture, all the miracles of Jesus have all one thing in common they're all set to bring glory to the Father to the one who sent him. Jesus, all of his encounters, in fact, I think there's a couple of really sad healings that take place where there's this person who's for 38 years has been um, lame and, and stuff and the disciples say to him, um, who sinned? Did he sin or did his parents sin? And Jesus said, Never sinned. This is just so that the Lord might be glorified and then the guy gets healed in that moment. And it's kind of like, God, Really? Like for 38 years, you're going to make that guy suffer so that you can have your moment of glory? It's, you know, there's some bizarre stuff in Scripture, right? But I think what Jesus was trying to say to the disciples then is that every kind of miraculous, every kind of healing, every kind of thing that God does, where God comes through for you in a way that you never imagined, all of it is for one reason, one reason only, so that we turn the glory back to Him, not upon ourselves. And so Jesus just went about, he had encounters over and over and over and over again with people where, where just the miraculous and stuff took place. In fact, the Apostle John says in one of his books that if they wrote down all the things that Jesus did and all the incredible things that he, he accomplished, there wouldn't be enough room to contain all the books that it would be written in. And so what we get here is, is in the Bible is we just, get, we just get glimpses of what Jesus did. This is not all of what he did. We just get a glimpse from time to time of what Jesus did. And the glimpse we get is usually of him just going about his day-to-day routine, just walking along and boom, miracles happen. It was just a normal part of his normal life. And that's why I'm always wary of people that go around saying that they have this gift of miracles on their life when they're being super weird rather than supernatural. Jesus didn't make a show of himself. And in fact, in this case, he says, don't tell anyone what I just did. Jesus didn't make a show of himself. Jesus made a show of God. Are you hearing me? That's why I struggle so much sometimes, and I'm not trying not to be critical, but I struggle sometimes with the healing evangelists where they make a show of themselves. Sorry, side note. Jesus didn't have a tent revival meeting or go around handing out flyers, inviting people to the temple. Jesus just went about his normal daily life and miracles are happening because he is there. He is present He is Emmanuel, He is God with us. And Jesus just dwelled in a human body to interact with us and show us up close how much He loves us, how much He cares for us, and how much He is concerned for us. And in the story that we just read, Jesus has actually just finished preaching the famous sermon, the Sermon of the Mount, and, and that message that Jesus had just preached, is, it's a weird message. I, I know you probably don't think it's a weird message, but, but if you read it, uh, I think it's chapter uh, five, six, and seven of Matthew, it, it's one continuous message. Like there's, there's no pauses with him, right? And, and, and the thing that makes it so weird is that he goes from talking about your attitudes to talking about anger, to talking about adultery, to talking about vows, to talking about revenge, to talking about how we're salt and light, talking about judgment, talking about loving your enemies, talking about prayer and fasting, giving prayer. It just, it's all these random topics that he just throws all together and goes, here, have this. You know, it, it, it makes someone like me absolutely cringe because I'm I'm big on when I'm speaking I want one thought to lead to the next thought to lead to the next thought so there's a logical thought progression so it makes sense what I'm saying I don't like messages where there's this thought over here somewhere and then there's a random thought over there and a random one up here and a random one down and this is what Jesus is doing this is all this random stuff the one when he's talking about you're the light of the world Next minute he's talking about don't don't revenge for yourself. Next minute he's talking about judgment. Next minute he's talking about prayer. It's, like, it's all over the place, right? And he finishes this message and he, and he just leaves. He just, just leaves. And there's no time for questions. I don't know about you, but if I had had uh, some sort of a random message like that with all these things that I'd never heard before, how many people would have a few questions? I, I would have a few questions. Can you explain that a little bit to me? But not Jesus. Jesus just walks off. He doesn't explain it to them. He just leaves. Why? Because Jesus understood that as the Messiah, he was there to deliver a message. He wasn't concerned about the reception. He was concerned about the delivery. I say that to say this to you. You need to understand that when God gives us a message, It's our job to receive it. It's God's job to deliver it. And I think sometimes we miss out in our Christian walk is that we come along sometimes to church, sometimes. And we want the preacher to put it on a plate for us and hand feed it to us. My job's to deliver a message today. Your job's to receive it. Are you hearing me? I don't have to explain it. Jesus didn't explain it. He expected them to receive it. He expected them to open up their hearts, open up their lives, and receive it in. And it's a little bit like, you know, when an online order gets dropped off at your house. I don't know what happens at yours. I mean, sometimes, yes, I know that their signature is required. But most of the time what happens is they come to your door, they put it down at your door, and they do this. And then they walk away. Right? They walk away. And if you're down the other end of the house, you don't even hear the knock on the door. You don't even know that the gift that that, that that what you ordered online from Amazon has turned up, until you open the door and you nearly stand on it because they put it right at the door. They don't put it to the side. They put it right at the door so that if you're not walk, looking, you can stand on and crush that thing you just spent money on. It's awesome, but they don't stand at the door doing this until you open it because they're actually not concerned about whether you receive the package. All they care about is that they delivered the package. And once they deliver it, they take a photo of it at your door so that if you say it never turned up, they can send you a photo and say, hey, we delivered it. It's not our problem that you didn't receive it. Because their assignment is delivery and our assignment is reception. And I wanna say to you today is that Jesus is, delivering messages all the time to us and it's up to us to receive them. God, do, Jesus doesn't explain this sermon to them. He doesn't explain what it all means to them. In fact, sometimes when the disciples said to us, can you explain that to me? He says this to them, how long must I put up with you? He doesn't go, oh, okay guys, just sit down, let's, let's break this down for you. There, there's, there's, a, there's an assumption from Jesus that we are following him close enough and we are pursuing him enough that we go and find out for ourselves what that message just meant, that we receive it. And I wanna encourage you this morning, even through this series, make sure that you're, you've got your reception mode on. He delivered the message and then he moved on and this large crowd just started going with him. Everywhere he went, this large crowd went with him and then all of a sudden, this leprous man comes out of nowhere, and boom, there he is. And, and, and Matthew says that suddenly this leprous man turned up, right? And you might think, well, how is that sudden? Because you have to understand that back in, back in Jesus' day, leprous people weren't allowed to be anywhere near anyone else that wasn't leprous. In fact, they had to walk around whenever they were going somewhere, by law, they had to walk around and they had to say, unclean, unclean. Everywhere they went, they had to yell that out at the top of their lungs, unclean, unclean. I know some of you have teenage sons and you feel like yelling out, unclean, unclean. But they're not unclean like this unclean. He had to yell out unclean because he had to let them know to stay far away from him because he had leprosy and, and leprosy was highly contagious and highly infectious. And so everywhere he went would be unclean, unclean. And as people heard that from afar off, people would run in all sorts of directions because they would give him the wild, widest berth that they could ever give him. If you've ever sat beside somebody on a bus or a plane that just doesn't seem to know how to use deodorant, if you had a choice, you would sit as far away from them as possible. This is what happens with the leprous man. He was, so for him to suddenly appear when he had to say unclean because he had to warn people from afar off, that he was coming here to warn people. I may look good from a long way off, but the closer you get to me, I'm not that good. I know we're talking about a physical affirmity today, but if I can be honest with you just for a minute, I think there's a little bit of leper in all of us. Don't look at me, I'm not the only one. I got a little bit of leper in me. You got a little bit of leper in it. All of us have got a little bit of leper in us. You see, in the Bible, leprosy represents sin. And leprosy was was a thing that happened below the surface of the skin. It's wildly infectious and contagious. And the only way that you can deal with leprosy is to burn it. It's to burn it. It's the only way to get rid of it. And friend, that was a state of yours and my soul's before we had an encounter with Jesus. And this is why God puts us through refining fire because the only way to get rid of the leper on the inside of us is for him to burn it up for us. Are you with me? You see, a loving Jesus decides to get close enough to the man that should have been far away from him. And so when when Matthew says suddenly he turns up, it's because he should never have been there suddenly. They should have heard him coming from a mile away. They they should have heard him coming from, by law, protocols, everything else. This man was doing the wrong thing. He just suddenly turned up. Can you imagine the response of the people when they turn around and see that this leprous man is all of a sudden in their facility? All of a sudden they're like, (gasps) Huh? You're not allowed to be here. You shouldn't be here. Why weren't you saying unclean, unclean? Why weren't you warning us? Why did you do this? You shouldn't be here. But this man, he 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 covers up and he heads straight for Jesus. He doesn't, he doesn't declare that he's coming. He came unannounced and all of a sudden they have this Leprous man, right smack in the middle of them, and I don't know about you, but I'd be freaking out if I'm honest with you. If you've been told your whole entire life that if you even get within close proximity to a leprous man, you're in trouble, I would be a little bit freaking out right now. The thing is, is, is all the disciples are probably freaking out, but they're trying to be cool on the inside, they're like, Run! Well, on the outside, it's like, oh, We're just, just gonna see what Jesus does because you know, we're his disciples. You guys can run, but we're going to hang tough here. But on the inside, they wanted to run away with everybody else, and you and I would be the same. This is not supposed to happen. The the leprous man broke the boundaries, the protocols, the law, and came straight up to Jesus. And this is what he says to him. Hey, I know you can heal me if you want to. I don't know about you, but I probably would have approached it slightly differently. I probably would have thrown myself at his feet and said, I have leprosy, you're my only hope. If you don't do this, uh, it's the end of me and, and I'm already probably gonna be uh, whipped or beaten or, or cast out of the city, I'm already, I'm already breaking the law and if, and if you don't do something for me right now, I'm in the biggest amount of trouble, like you're my only hope, This is you have all I've got left. You're, that's, not, that's not what he did, he just walks up to him all of a sudden and pleads and goes, hey, I know you can heal me if you want to, Don't you think it's weird? I would have thrown myself at his feet, cried out for mercy. I love it that he said, I know you can heal me if you want to, because I think he's trying to show us something. I think he's showing us that all you need for a miracle is to know that God can do it if he wants to. All you need for a miracle is to know that God can do it if he wants to. And, and Jesus' response is, I am willing. I am willing. There's another time where God said that I am before he said something else and it was when Moses said, Who do I say has sent me to deliver the people out of Egypt? Egypt is a symbol of the world into the promised land. In other words, who shall I say is sending me to bring people from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his glorious son? And and God responded to him, I am has sent you. So Jesus wasn't just saying, I am willing, as in, I want to heal you. He's saying, I am. I am willing. I am willing, I am the saviour, I am the healer, I am the God, I am. He's declaring who he is in this moment to this man. I am willing, I am willing is here. Jesus says I am and when God says I am, he's telling you who he is. He's explaining who he is, I am. Am, and you're created in the image of God and whenever you turn around and say I am useless or I am hopeless or I am not good enough for God you're using his name in vain because I am is his name and you should be saying I am created in the image of God I am wonderfully and marvelously made I am a son and daughter of the most high God I am seated with him in heavenly places we have to be careful how we use his name but he's saying, I am willing. I am willing to heal. I am willing to save. I am willing to deliver. I am willing to provide. He is willing to restore. God is willing. And Jesus matches this guy's ability to break all the rules and break all the protocols and break all the boundaries and break all the laws by breaking them himself by touching him. You're not allowed to touch lepers, it's against the law. You're you, You that's that's you can imagine some of the disciples, Jesus, that's that's it's not how it's done. It's not how we do things around here. We don't do things like that. That's how you get infected. Some of them might be thinking, I am not having dinner around the table with him tonight. He just touched a leper. Here's the cool thing about Jesus. Is he touches the untouchable and he cures the incurable. It's what he does. There are areas of your life where you're like, don't touch it. And he's like, oh, I'm going to touch it. You've got areas of your life that are untouchable and you don't want them to touch it. And Jesus just spends all of his time and all of his energy setting up circumstances and situations so that he can touch that area of your life. Why? Because when he touches the untouchable, he cures the incurable. And some of you have hurt and pain and stuff in your life that has never been healed and never been cured. And God's like, well, if, I could just, if I could just touch it. You see, this man pushed through the crowd, he was hungry, he was hungry for God to do something, he pushed through, he he put his life at risk, he was that hungry to have an encounter with God that he pushed through all the barriers, all the problems, all the boundaries, he pushed through all the rules, all the laws, put his life at risk just so that he could receive this miracle that he so desperately needed. Here's, here's the thing, and I just say this just as a little sidebar thing: a lack of hunger usually shows sickness in somebody's life. It's like you know when you're when you're unwell, when you're sick, there's a your hunger drops off, right? When, when you're really sick, I was really crook a, a few weeks ago, and, and, and it was just like, I just didn't feel like eating food. You know what I mean? It's like, you, you've got kids, right? And, and, and so you're just, you're just trying to get fluids into them, because we know fluids are important when somebody is sick, and so they're sucking on lemonade, ice blocks, or whatever you can to get the fluids in, because when they're sick and they're vomiting, they're not hungry, they don't want to eat. Hung, a lack of hunger is a sign that somebody is unwell. A lack of hunger for the Word of God, for prayer, for being in church week in, week out, for being a lack of hunger for worship, a lack of hunger for praise, shows there's a spiritual sickness going on on the inside of you. Hunger is healthy in the kingdom. This man was hungry and he pushed through all the protocols and all the rules. Jesus touches the leper and he just says two words, be healed! It goes so because it's exclamation mark, remember? (laughs) Be healed! And those two words take care of the man's lifelong problem. You know, sometimes I think we overcomplicate our situations. Jesus didn't come up to this man and he said, "If you are willing, you can make me clean." And he says, "I am willing." And I'm just going to touch you right now, and what's going to happen when I touch you is that the power of God is going to come from me into you, and it's going to go through your body, and it's going to change the molecular structure of all the cells in and around your body, and it's going to cause your skin to react with the power of God in such a way that all the leprosy is going to leave your body, your skin is going to come smooth, and you're going to see a scientific miracle take place in front of you right now. Jesus doesn't do that, but we do that sometimes in Christianity, don't we? God, I have this problem, and I need to explain it to you, because maybe you don't understand the problem I have right now, because maybe, God, maybe you're a little bit stupid, and you're a little bit dumb, so let me explain it to you, because I have a degree, and so let me explain to you the problem that I'm having right now with my child. You see, my child is, and we go into this big, long winded thing, and I think we just got to stop all that and just go, Jesus sees this man, if you're willing, you can make me clean. He says, I well, and he touches them and he goes, be healed. That's it. Done, dusted. Be healed. Maybe when it comes to some of your situations in your life, maybe you just need a be healed conversation with God. Maybe you just need to speak to your situation and go, be healed. Be free. Are you hearing me? When Jesus gives a command, he does not need to follow it up with an explanation. It does what he said it would do because his word cannot come back empty, but it accomplishes everything that it's sent out to do. I want to encourage you, man. Let's, let's just be people that are like, be healed. Speak to your situations and go, your marriage, be healed. A relationship with a family member that's broken, be healed. A situation where maybe your finances are out of control. Be healed. Like, come on, let's let's just be people that speak to the mountains in our lives rather than talking about the mountains in our lives. Let's speak to them. There's three things that I want to pull out of this this miracle that will hopefully help you this morning. And the first one is this, is that proximity didn't bring pollution. Proximity didn't bring Pollution. Many of you right now might be believing God for a miracle. You need Him to break through in your life. You need Him to do something of the miraculous in your life. But you spend your whole time thinking about what you have done in your past or what you are currently doing right now. And you're like, man, I've just got so much rubbish. I've got so much sin. I've got so much junk going on in my life. It's just created way too much distance between me and God. And, and I know that he can do the miracle. I just don't believe he wants to do the miracle because I've got all this stuff and junk that I'm carrying around in my life and, and I've just done too much wrong in my life for God to act for me. We don't understand that the Bible says this, that if you will draw near to God, he will draw near to you, that, that God invites us to draw near to him. And in drawing near to him, he will draw near to us. You need to understand something when the enemy comes to you and tells you you've got too much stuff or too much junk or too much stuff that you need to deal with and how can God act when you've got all this sin and stuff going on in your life. You need to understand something. God is not intimidated or afraid of you and your state. There is nothing that you have going on that ever will distance himself from you. Nothing separates you from the love of God. He will always step towards you. That's why you found him in the first place, because he stepped towards you. And if you step towards him, because he's not afraid of being contaminated by you, he will step towards you. We fail to draw near at times because we're afraid of being contaminated by him. If we're honest... Sometimes we use our contamination as an excuse as to why God can't move or why God can't do this or why God can't act. But in reality, we're afraid if we get too close to Him that He will contaminate us and we'll have to change the way that we're living. And so we use sin as an excuse as to why God can't act and why I can't do this and why I can't do that for God when in reality we're just using it as an excuse because we're afraid that if we get too close to Him He will infect us and then our whole entire life will have to change. And maybe that relationship I have I might have to break off. Or maybe what I do with my money will have to change. Or maybe what I do with my Sundays will have to change. Sorry, was that a bit harsh? I mean, if I get close to him and he contaminates me, then I'm going to have to do what he asked me to do. So we use our past or our sin as an excuse as to why we can't get close to God and believe for a miracle. Let me say this to you. If you think that you're too bad for God to move or you've got too much junk in your life that God can't get close. I want to tell you something. If you get in Jesus' presence, you won't infect him. He will infect you. If you get in his presence, you won't infect him, but he will heal you. This man with leprosy gets in his presence and Jesus reaches out and touches him and the leprosy doesn't infect Jesus. Jesus heals the man. Don't let your junk Cause you to be far away from a God who wants to reach out and touch you and heal you. Well, why can't God do that from a distance? Because from a distance, it's not personal. From a distance, it's not relational. I mean, the leprous man would have been like, oh my gosh, I'm this close to him and he hasn't run away yet. Because all through his entire life, the minute he got close to someone, unclean, everybody ran. He gets that close to Jesus and Jesus doesn't run. Jesus stays. In fact, Jesus gets closer to him because he made a step to come to him that Jesus reaches out and he touches him. I know there are some people that want to get close to Jesus, but they fear that if they come as the real them, and expose the real them to God, that God's going to be shocked. Can I say this to you? People are shocked, but God is not. People may be shocked by what's going on in your world, but God is not. God is all-knowing. God knows everything that you're doing right now. He knows all the thoughts that you're having. He knows what you're going to do tomorrow. He knows what you're going to have for lunch, even when you don't know what you're having for lunch. He knows everything. He knows what you're going to do before you've even done it. God is not afraid of you. People may be shocked by you, but God is not shocked by you. God and knowing that all of this stuff is going on in your world, God's still standing there bidding you to come. While everybody else is pushing you away, he's drawing you in close. He's not afraid. God is not threatened by your dysfunction. Or by your issues, He is not threatened by your ways. He is not threatened by your behavior. He literally invites you closer to him when other people would push you away. Proximity did not bring pollution. The second thing that I notice is this is that the Lord is willing. The Lord is willing. When Jesus says, "I am willing," that, that literal word there, "I am." in the Greek means always, forever. Like, I am willing always and forever. I was willing before this man turned up. I'm gonna be willing after this man has turned up. I'm gonna be willing, whether it be a boy, girl, man, whatever it is, I am willing. The Lord is willing. He is willing to heal. He is willing to save. It is available to anybody who dares to believe that God still does miracles and He is willing to do miracles. He is willing. He is willing to save. He is willing to heal. He is willing to break through for you. He is willing and He will never ever be unwilling. God will never ever be unwilling. You might feel like God is unwilling at times but He is never ever unwilling to move on your behalf. You know, when I, when I wrote this point down this week, I was just like, well, I'm not sure I 100% agree, if I'm honest with you. Because when I was younger, I used to go up on altar calls every single Sunday to pray for healing for my eyes. Because when you're, when you're young and you go to primary school and you wear glasses, how many people know kids aren't that nice? Yeah? People worry about adults. Kids are, you know, I think I've been called... Everything under the sun, like the, the classic one, of course, is Four Eyes, because um, that's original. Um, like, that's, that's really cool. That's only been around for about 20 generations. They need to come up with some new material. Uh, goggle Eyes, um, Blind Man, uh, you know, especially when um, that program Cops came out on TV, and, and some, of, some of my friends would sing, Blind Man, Blind Man, what you gonna do? What you gonna do when they come so you know all these all these sorts of crazy things. And when I when they'd ask, like what was what was wrong with my eyes, I'd say, oh, we're not without glasses, everything looks tall and skinny. And so then they're like, I'll take your glasses off then. And um, yeah, it's just so so and then my dad would say things like, sticks and stones will break your bones, or words will never hurt you, lie. You, you recover from sticks and stones. Wounds from words take forever, right? So anyway, I don't want to dwell on, on that. But I used to go forward every Sunday for healing for my eyes. And I did that from about six years of age till about nine years of age every Sunday. And, and to make it worse is that my dad was the pastor of the church, right? So So every Sunday, he's having to pray for my healing. And I would ask him, even when we were at home during the week, Dad, can you pray for that God would heal my eyes? I did that for for like four years. And then I stopped because I'm like, well, obviously God doesn't want to heal. And so therefore, I'll just give this a break. And I won't lie to you, this week, as I wrote down, I am willing, I had not thought about that time in my life Never. And then all of a sudden, as I wrote down, the Lord is willing, I had a flashback of me in my room going, oh, obviously, God, you don't want to heal my eyes. That's fine. I'll move on with my life. And I heard crystal clear the Holy Spirit say to me, um, I am willing. You just don't know how to receive it. Now, I don't know the answer to that, how do I receive it, But I've made a decision that I'm actually going to start up again believing for it. And if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Because this man came up and said, you can heal me if you want to. And so my job is to pray and believe for healing. It's not my job to do the healing. Are you hearing me? And I rang my mum, like every good 50-year-old man does. And I said to mum, you wouldn't believe what just happened to me in the office. "Uh, and my mum goes, oh, do you not remember what God did? Ah, uh, what do you mean what God did? I still wear glasses. Um, son, when, when you were little, you were really cross-eyed. Now, there are photos of me that my children have spent many hours laughing over. Because <laughs> as a baby, i got one eye go one way and one eye go the other way. And rather than my children going, oh, Dad, we're so sorry, they just laugh at me, you know, because that's what you need. eh? Who needs enemies when you've got family, right? <laughs> and Mum goes, did you not, do you not remember how God healed your crossover, cross eyes? Do you not remember that? And all of a sudden it's just like, oh, my gosh, God did heal. I just stopped asking. God did do a miracle. I would put a baby photo of me on the screen for you to see, but then you would laugh, (laughs) and I have enough trauma from my children without getting it from the congregation. You see, I I believe that this is our biggest challenge. I I don't think there's a person in this room that doesn't believe that God can heal. I just think we have a problem believing that he's willing to heal. 2 Peter 3.9 says this, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The Lord is willing right now. He is not slack concerning his promise. He has never stopped being willing to do miracles for his people, and we've got to believe and be long-suffering with him and believing that he can do it. If I can get Maddie to jump on the keys that we call. And the last thing I want to say to you today, and it's kind of a long point. Are you ready for this one? It's kind of hard to keep miracles to yourself. It's kind of hard to keep miracles to yourself. In verse 4, Jesus says to him, don't tell anyone about this. Instead, go and to the priests and let them examine you, take along the offering required of the law of Moses for those who have been healed of leprosy. This will be a public testimony that you have been cleansed. One of the things that we don't realise here because we probably don't study the Mosaic law recently. Has anybody studied it recently? Like, had a bit, a bit of time up your sleeve? But I decided to have a look at what, what they had to do under Mosaic law when they've been healed from leper, from leprosy. Um, and, and they had to go and present, uh, a, a lamb has to be killed, then the guts of the lamb has to be waved over the head like an offering, and then there's a turtle dove that has to be killed and another dove that has to be released, and and then there's putting blood on your right earlobe and your right thumb and your right toe, and then there's then you've got to put oil on, and then there's something else. It's like a, it's like a massive long process, right? And it's just like, oh my gosh, what a big long-winded process. But the thing is, is this, is that is that on Mosaic law, what the rabbis taught? So, the pastors, the teachers, the professors of the day of religion, what they taught is that a sign of the Messiah would be the healing of leprosy. So, when Jesus tells him, Go and present yourself to the priests, because this will be a public testimony, Jesus is announcing himself as Messiah. It's pretty cool, eh? But I don't know about you, I man, this guy's been a leper for a long time, right? For a long, long time. Jesus has healed him and Jesus says to him, don't tell anyone. Leprous man is like, anyone? Anyone. And I can I imagine somebody like, hey, Jesus, I, like I, I know you're holy, I know you're Lord, and I know you're Saviour, but this is going to be really hard. Something <coughs> really hard not to tell everyone. I mean, I know it's the right thing under the Mosaic law to do it this way, but but not tell anyone, this. it's got to be really hard. something be really difficult. And we know that in Matthew 4 that that was the instruction was not to tell anyone about this, but... If you've been reading the Bible enough, you know that same stories can be in different gospels and the different gospels can present a different perspective, right? And so this same story is also in the book of Mark and Mark presents a little bit of a different perspective. In Mark chapter 1 verse 45 where it says, "But the man went and spread the word, proclaiming to everyone what had happened." As a result, large crowds soon surrounded Jesus and he couldn't publicly enter a town anywhere. He had to stay out in a secluded place, but people from everywhere kept coming to him. Jesus tells him, don't tell anyone. He nods in the Savior's face and then goes and tells everybody. He just completely says, yes, Lord, and then disobeys. And the cool thing is he disobeys Jesus and Jesus doesn't smack him for it. Jesus doesn't punish him for it. Jesus doesn't rebuke him for it. He doesn't pull him to one side and go, hey bro, thanks so much. Now I can't even go to the supermarket with a whole lot of people around me. I used to enjoy sitting down on King Street, having a coffee and drinking my Bible. Now I can't even have a coffee anymore because of you, as you told everyone. What did I tell you? Told you, Don't tell anyone. You've ruined my life. You know what I think this one little point shows us? Is this. You're not supposed to keep miracles to yourself. <laughs> you're not supposed to keep miracles to yourself. You're not supposed to keep miracles to yourself. You're not supposed to keep testimonies to yourself. There are miracles in this room that'll preach better for Jesus than anything I could ever preach from this pulpit. You're not meant to keep miracles to yourself. You're not meant to consume it upon yourself. I mean, I understood why Jesus asked him to do what Jesus asked him to do, but I understood why the man couldn't help but go and tell everyone, because I don't know about you, But when somebody has saved you, when somebody has delivered you, when somebody has removed all the sin from your life that could send you to the pit of hell, but instead it's sending you to the kingdom of heaven. I don't know about you, but you just can't keep that to yourself. Miracles aren't meant to be kept for ourselves. And there are miracles in this room that will preach better than I will ever preach and you can't keep it to yourself. It has to be shared. Don't let stuff going on in your life. Don't let that create a gap between you and God. Don't, Don't believe for one second that God can't do the miraculous in your life because of the stuff that you've got going on. No, 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 no. You draw near to Him. He'll draw near to you. Let Him touch the untouchable areas of your life. Let Him cure the incurable areas of your life. And then let you be someone who goes and spreads the Word of the miracle that Jesus has done. Why? So that others can experience the miracles too. I'm sure with this man with leprosy, the word spread. I'm sure it was motivation for the woman with the issue of blood who pushed through the crowd and touched the hem of his garment. I'm sure it was motivation for blind man Bartimaeus when he heard that Jesus was passing by. Because I'm sure they heard about the leprous man who suddenly turned up in front of Jesus and said, you can heal me if you're willing. And Jesus' response is, I am a willing God. And so, So blind Bartimaeus and the woman of the issue of blood and everybody else, he's a willing God to heal, to save, to deliver. He's willing because he spread the word and word travels. And even though biblically we're not meant to gossip, there's good gossip. It's called the miraculous testimonies of what God has done in your life. You can share that till the cows come home and God will never be upset with you. But you've got to draw close. Let him touch the untouchable. Let him cure the incurable. Let him let him touch those areas in your life. Stop using your stuff as excuses as to why not to get close. He, he, he can deliver you. He can heal you. He can remove the leper from each inside, every one of us. Why don't we close our eyes just for a moment? Let the singers and... On the stage, will be cool. I don't know everybody in this room this morning. I don't know everybody that's even listening online this morning. Uh, I don't know where you have been or where you are from. I don't even know what's going on in your life anymore. But there, there's an absolute lie that we believe that that when we stuff up, when we sin, when we when we do things wrong, that that God doesn't want us to be around. and I wanna tell you something, God wants you to be around. The Bible says this, where sin abounds, the grace of God abounds all the more. God wants you to be around, that's why He came. He came to deliver you from your sin and set you free so that you could be all that He created you to be. God is not away from you, God is trying to get to you. You just need to turn and walk towards Him. And, and I don't know where you are all at today. Maybe you've never ever given your life to Jesus Christ. Or maybe you're honest today and you said, man, I there's a distance between me and God, but not because of Him, but because of how I'm living. And, and I wanna repent of that. And I wanna get back into close proximity with God. I, I want Him to reach out and touch the areas of my life that need touching. And if you're here this morning and you're like, man, I really need Jesus as my Saviour. Um, maybe it's for the first time or maybe you know that you've just not really been walking with Him the way that you should and you're like, man, I wanna, I wanna get back close again. I wanna get back into proximity to Him. If you are here this morning, I'm gonna ask you very shortly just to lift up your hand and when I see it, I'll ask you to put it down and that's all we're gonna do and then we're just gonna pray for you from here. We're not gonna pull you out of the crowd, not gonna embarrass you in any way. I would ask that you'd fill out the Live Connected card in the seat pocket in front of you so that we can reach out and help you on your journey. But if you're here today and you've never given your life to Christ, or you know, I've been away and I need to come back. And Craig, would you pray for me that I would have I would be able to turn around and get back in the direction and walk towards Him as He reaches out and touches me. If you're here today and you wanna give your life to Christ or you wanna return back to Him, why don't you lift up your hand right now in this place? And when I see it, I ask you to put it down. Is there anybody like that? We you just went, right, yep, thank you, thank you. Is there anybody else? You can put your hand down now. Is there anybody else? Awesome, awesome. Anybody else today? Awesome. Why don't we all stand to our feet I'm gonna pray for those six people that lifted their hands I Come on, everyone, stand up.